0: Hi, uh, my name is Sharon D., uh short for Dinkin. Um, I am from the West Coast, uh, and this will be as, boy, my heart is racing. So if you've got a, if you're anywhere near the Bay Area of San Francisco and you've got a defibrillator, you, I may need you. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of times I, I wait to see if somebody steps up, and I, you know, just kept thinking, should I or shouldn't I? And so here I am. Um I have been coming to the rooms, uh since 9th, December 6th, 1989. I have never left. I came in weighing about 275, a little bit, just maybe a shade less. I don't know. Maybe a shade more. Who? Could, who I don't know. But I knew that I weighed about 272 at one point. Um, and uh, I, what happened was laying on my couch... After a Thanksgiving dinner, so I used to cook Thanksgiving dinner for my friends because I felt like if they could tolerate me, the very least, seriously, if they could tolerate me, the very least I could do for them would be to cook them an outrageous meal. It never occurred to me that they all liked me because I'm a decent person. It took a lot of time and recovery to learn that. Um, and I knew they, if I, they all had me in common. There had to be more to substance than just a funny sense of humor. Um, since I do think I'm sort of funny sometimes. Anyway, I'm so I'm laying on my couch, passed out from this enormous Thanksgiving meal, a lot of champagne, and um, as if in a Hollywood, a Hollywood movie, there was this um, aber- this woman named Esther, who was the only grown-up adult I ever talked to honestly about food, and she was a Tupperware salesperson understood why later. Um, and she died a heavy woman and she was the only person that I ever talked to about driving in the car and feeling like when I pulled the ring on a can of nuts, it would be like pulling a hand grenade. And she talked to me about, she would tell her husband one excuse or another so she could get in her car, pick up a dozen donuts and then down them and then go back to the house. Um, I don't live like that today. Um, and she saved my life. And so she came into my living room in this, this white, flowy, transparent kind of thing. And it was, like I said, it was like Hollywood. And she just said, don't suffer, go to OA. And just like that, she was gone. Um, she had done uh, tops, and she'd done all the panways. And um, I did a few of them. Um, probably the... One diet that worked with me was the cocaine, Calistoga water, and coffee diet. But that doesn't sustain your heart for very long, and it's not very healthy. Anyway, shortly after I had this aberration of her, um, I started to pay attention to what I was eating because I felt like if I was going to try this OA thing, it would be like uh, if I had someone come in and clean my house, I should clean it up first. So and I thought I was going to be handed a diet. Um, There was a gray sheet, and um, there were some foods on there that I knew. I mean, my way of having two pieces of bread was to take a baguette or an unsliced loaf, cut it in half, and say, here's two pieces of bread. And um, came into the rooms, was terrified. I stopped drinking, and I stopped smoking. uh, So I was not a pleasant person to be around. I wasn't very pleasant before, well, because my addictions just had me in its grips. Anyway, we didn't have any literature other than of our own, really, except um, and um, used the big book quite intensely. And then uh, World Service came out with, not the 12 and 12, just the 12. Uh, They hadn't gotten around yet to um, doing the traditions. And if anybody has ever been to World Service, to get anything through the Literature Committee if you understand our traditions and you practice them in all your affairs, you know that it takes a long time for there to be consensus on anything. And, you know, um not saying that I have control issues, but I know that I do, and I'm sure that other people on the uh, literature committee must have had them because it took a long time to get these things processed, approved, and printed. So they came out with this book in... Uh, I want to say 1992. So I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to stick with that. And in step two, because I didn't, I still wasn't able to confront how I ate, um, I uh, found out that the jig was up, so to speak, because um, in step two it said uh, that, I'm going to read it correctly. Hang on just a second. Um, we have frequently lied about what we have had eaten, have eaten, had our selves and uh, to ourselves and others because we didn't want to face the fact about what we do when it comes to food. We have stolen food from our friends, family, and employers, as well as from the grocery store. We have also stolen money to buy food. We have eaten beyond the point of being full, beyond the point of being sick of eating. We have continued to overeat, knowing all the while we were disfiguring and uh, maiming our bodies. We have isolated ourselves to eat, damaging our relationships, and denying ourselves full social lives. Because of our compulsive eating, we have turned ourselves into objects of ridicule and have destroyed our health. Then, horrified, and it goes on and it describes all kinds of stuff. Many of us have tried fasting with and without doctor supervision. Usually we lost weight, but as soon as, the, as, soon as we started eating again, the compulsive eating behavior returned along with the weight and some of us learned to purge ourselves with vomiting, laxatives, or excessive exercise. We damaged our digestive systems in our health, why we starved our bodies for the nutrients we needed to live. Some of us uh, were terrified of gaining weight. We went to great lengths to restrict what we ate. We refused to eat certain foods, we develop complex rituals around food, and we try to avoid eating whatever, whenever possible. Others of us told us we were too thin, but we thought they were overeat. But we thought they were, but we thought they were overreacting. Our weight went up, our weight went down, and sometimes to dang- too dangerous levels, and still we felt fat. Uh, and then it goes on. Um, so if a diet worked, I wouldn't be here. Diets didn't work. Um, yeah, food is the symptom, but I love to eat, and I'm not going to say I don't. And I love to cook. Before program, the idea of vegetables was Stouffer's boil a pouch, whatever it was, and if it was enough cheese sauce, I would eat it. Uh, and then I discovered the beauty of um, vegetables and steaming them and sautéing them with a little salt, pepper, and garlic. And I really, you know, got to explore herbs and I still love to cook and I still do cook. Uh, and I cook really good food and it's nurturing and it doesn't trigger me. Now, has it been a linear, um, I was at the doctor, um, Tuesday and my COVID, my RSV and, um, blood work done and all my blood came back you know the way they send you the information now is not like with numbers and you're trying to fic- remember what's the greater than or less than but it's a graph and it's, it's green it's good uh, and all my numbers are good and um i got weighed and i have to say i weigh 148 and i said your scale there's something when did you last get the scale calibrated because i have never weighed this little as an adult um, except when i was on a really bad fast And um, it's only bad because I look terrible and I wasn't feeding my body what it needed. But it hasn't, as I said, it hasn't been linear since I came in. Um, But I've never broken my bottom line. I've never gone back to sugars as a main ingredient or uh, refined carbohydrates. Um, I'm addicted to both of those really intensely. I have not had chocolate in 34 years, which my mother thought was absolutely criminal uh she is a she was a chocoholic anyway um i what I got in return for all of this was uh a way of life that is beyond anything I could have imagined um i uh had relapsed without ever picking up the bottom line because i could push i pushed the envelope uh at one point the court without all the backstory Um, the courts had mandated my step-grandkids that they had to live with my ex and I. And when I would get up in the morning to make them lunch to take off to school, a piece of salami for him, a couple of for me, a piece of cheese in his sandwich, a couple of pieces in my mouth. And this went on and slowly I pouched back up to 230 pounds. And by the grace of something greater than me, I never went back to the way I was. And I have heard stories of people who relapse in recovery, or maybe they go out of the rooms or not, but they end up putting on pounds greater than when they started. And I, again, I feel like that was a spiritual experience, that that didn't happen to me. But I didn't leave the rooms. Nobody shamed me. Um, one person did ask me one day, she said, I saw you, and I was wondering if you were chewing gum until I realized your hand kept going in the bag. What's going on? that's courage. We don't do that with each other. We're so polite. Uh, and if we see somebody in trouble, we just kind of gloss over it. We don't say, gee, are you, are you okay? Are you suffering? You know, or anything that's a polite way to say, you don't look like a happy person right now, because we're so, so damaged about how people made our bodies, um, their project. Uh, when I was in elementary school, kids whispered, "Whistled baby elephant walk behind me." You know that's not very encouraging as a kid to hear that. You know I got made fun of because I was fat. I got made fun of because my mother speaks with an accent, and I got f- made fun of because I'm a Jew. None of those things were very pleasant. And so then to have baby elephant walk hum- hummed behind you, totally is not ego building, and it did nothing more than make me want to eat more. Um, And, uh, you know, it's kind of sad. I grew up in a time where nobody worried about locking, keeping their back doors locked. You know, kids played out in the street. Um, It was just, it it was simpler in a certain way and and not in another way. But it was a time where we ran outside and played and had a good time. And um, as long as I stayed within the few houses on my block, I was safe. As soon as I would go out and do other stuff, then the ridicule started. So, you know, it's easier to stay around the neighborhood. Uh, and then I got very involved with the um, youth group at the synagogue we belonged. And there it was like I felt like I came home with a bunch of other black sheep of their family all hanging together. And um, then I moved and I came to the Bay Area and felt like I had arrived. And, you know, went with a bunch of friends and we used to go wine tasting on the weekends. And then I would cook dinner and I would go to the bakery, whether I had people coming for dinner or not, and ordered the pastries for dinner. Um, Always the bittersweet ones. I am not a sugar freak. Um, Just I don't care for it. Anyway, um, so fast forward, I get this uh, aberration of Esther in my living room. I come to OA, and I don't know what the hell's going on. I see these people that are really thin. They're talking a language I don't understand. And I felt like, once again, like an outcast, like a round circle trying to jam myself into a square peg. I'm in L.A. one day visiting my mom, and I'm going to some meeting I had heard great things about. And I'm standing on the outside of the meeting room, And people are talking about, oh, their screenplay had just been accepted. Their new set design was approved. Um, They were working with uh, some actors on this and that. And I'm beginning to feel more and more diminished as I can hear these conversations. And then I get this gentle tap on my back shoulder from my higher power saying, and where are they? You're all going into the same room. Get over yourself. And my higher power does kind of talk to me like that because sometimes it takes a little bit of two-by-four to the back of he- my head to get my attention. And it was like, right, what we do outside the rooms, for some people, is a means to an end to pay bills, et cetera. Some, for some people, it defines who they are. For me, it was something to do. But when I cross that room, when I cross the threshold, we all are on the same equal playing field. We're all in the same room looking for some relief from the insane Thoughts that go through my head. The years of walking with my thighs, you know, touching each other, getting rashes, having to wear bonded cotton, which was absolutely the worst, um, and sweating like crazy, wondering what kind of man would want to sleep and have to push all this fat aside uh, to have an intimate sexual relationship with me. So my esteem was certainly not anywhere that was healthy. And yet, there I am in the rooms, learning I am not alone in these thoughts. And I will tell you that shortly after I maybe I was, I don't know, clean and sober at that point for a couple of years, I I met my soulmate and I fell sort of head over heels in love. And I want to tell you that I understand I had never kissed anybody clean and sober. And when I had this kiss, I felt like every single molecule in my body exploded like an incredible fireworks in the sky and all at once. And it was like an incredible feeling. Um, And it's like, oh, that's what the poets mean. Um, The relationship worked out for a short period of time and it was transcontinental, which made it kind of difficult. But it was also a turning point for me of understanding I am lovable. Um One of the things that has really been important for me over the years has been one not leaving the rooms no matter what, and understanding that nothing absolutely nothing comes before my recovery i don't care what's happening the day uh, of my mother's funeral I was at a six o'clock i was i was uh at a six o'clock um meeting that I go to Zoom on Sunday nights local in uh, Oakland. Um, the day my mother died, I was on a meeting that night because nothing happens in my world without one meeting in the morning, which is my AA meeting to get my head screwed on right, and generally this meeting at night, except for the two nights I go to the, the Zoom uh, Oakland meeting, to make sure that I don't spend the rest of my evenings sprawled out on the couch with an array of things to my at arm's length to eat, and I get that relief by showing up and finding out that if I tell the truth, you might say, "Oh yeah, that happened to me too." Um, so I keep looking at my clock, and I have no clue how much time I have left um, to share anything. Uh, but I am going to read something from the big book, and this is from the stories. Um, and. Uh, This is from... There's a story called Keys to the Kingdom. I call it Keys to the Queendom. And it was written by this woman, Sylvia Kaufman, who was the first woman in (laughs) a. If you are bombing the meeting with inappropriate conversation, I don't have the tolerance today for it. So, um, the end of her story, which is... Uh, On page 276, I'm going to read her last two paragraphs. Uh, It says, The last 15, and in my case, 34 years of my life, have been rich and meaningful. I have had my share of problems, heartaches, and disappointments, because that is life. But I also have known a great deal of joy and peace that is the handmaiden of an inner freedom. I have a wealth of friends, and with my AA friends, or OA friends, and OA friends are an unusual quality of fellowship. For to these people I am truly related, first through mutual pain and despair, and later through mutual objectives and newfound faith and hope. And as the years go by, working together, sharing our experiences with one another, and also sharing mutual trust, understanding, and love without strings, without obligation. We acquire relationships that are unique and priceless. Um, You know, I don't wake up with remorse in the morning going, God damn it, I did it again. I don't swear off that stuff. But I am going to say, and I don't mean to sound offensive to anybody, that uh, two things. One, I am not recovered. I never will be. I am constantly recovering because I am constantly evolving because I keep working the steps over and over and they keep revealing new things that I haven't been able to deal with. And the other thing is, and I firmly believe this, I can pray and pray and pray until my ass falls off and nothing will change if I don't put down the fork and take the action that the steps of Overeaters Anonymous and AA have been given to us. That if I follow these suggestions, these steps, I can open the door into a new horizon, which I could only have dreamed of. And the horizon is far beyond anything I could have imagined. And um, uh, finally, I will finish with a quote from my favorite singer-songwriter who says, Be good to yourself, it's the least you can do. Be good to yourself, it's the most you can do. Give with your heart and love will come to you. Thanks very much.